All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us for another installment in the Discipling Through Philippians series. Now, we own lesson two. We are on lesson two tonight. So we are in chapter one, chapter one. So we're going to go back to chapter one, <coughs> chapter one in Philippians. And we'll start, we'll start in verse one again, and we'll go down to verse 11. And we'll read this. I'll read in the New Living Translation. And it reads like this. This letter from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace every time I think of you. I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Verse 9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, and the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Now, looking at verses 1 through 8, we explored those verses last, last Thursday. And we talked about Paul's fellowship and his con communion with the, the church at Philippi and how special the the partnership they had was and we talked about how you know it is it is such a gift for a minister man of god to have people that are supportive and connected to the the, the mission and we talked about also how everybody isn't like that there are some individuals that will oppose the gospel and ministers that will oppose each other. But we also highlighted how Paul, even in the times where he was getting attacked, but the ministers were proclaiming Christ, but they were doing it in such a way to, to try to spite Paul. And we connected it with what we see in, in some circles today, how ministers will 
highlight another person's ministry and 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 just you know go heretic honey and even though the the ministry is is focused on exposing or ridiculing a certain certain minister or ministry group if Christ is preached there's still opportunity for people to receive fruit from the gospel itself even though the motives of the the individuals in, in some of these instances is impure all right so I want us to look at now verses 9 through 11 and we're going to look at Paul's prayer here now I'm going to read this in the Amplified the Amplified really kind of blows this up Verses 9 through 11. And remember, this is Paul praying for the, the, the church at Philippi. He says, In this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more, and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight, that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance, and more comprehensive discernment so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral differences. And that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsoiled, you, you may approach the day of Christ not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. May you abound in and be filled with the fruits of righteousness, of right standing with God and right doing, which come through Jesus Christ, the anointed one, to the honor and praise of God, that his glory may be both manifested and recognized. Now, Paul is, he's saying a lot here. Now, when you look at that first part of the, the prayer, he's praying that their love abound more and more. Why is the revelation of God's love so important? That is the driving force of everything we do. Now should be everything we do. Um, getting that revelation of this love, but that's going to change, um, or I only want to say change. In some cases, change, but you know, keep you focused. Even when things get difficult, you know, things get hard. We, we, he's talking about his relationship with them. Um, when things don't go right. You have to have a revelation of his love in order to stay focused, stay motivated. Yeah. It's all about love, too, what you're saying. Yeah, it's, I thought about it, I said God created Adam and me for relationship with him. And yeah. Love and love, and then created them for each other for relationship. And they had shoulders. It's always, you know, relationship, love, love, love. And, and then, you know, it's funny what we're saying, you ask, what do you think love is important? I was thinking about. 
like you read it in the New Living Translation, that intend, for I want you to understand what really matters. And then, so that then you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. It has to be, when we said the heart has to be in place before mm-hmm. the other, all that falls in line. That's good. Okay. That's good. Because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm hearing it, and I'm like, you know, understanding that the love that God has for us, right? And just in and being able to have that as a as a day to day present reality for us, it it helps with clarifying purpose. It does. You know, because you you you're not you're not scattered or fumbling around trying to figure out, you know, what what I'm here for or what you know, how can I fulfill myself or, you know, this did, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the discontentment that a lot of us, a lot of people deal with, you know, and you can point back to that vacuum of love not being there. Yeah. And that need that needs for for that we have for connection for love if if God is not the the center of that if he's not supplying that then we're going to try to fill it in other ways in temporal ways and a lot of times well <laughs> most of the time if not 100% of the time it's going to lead us to some damage going from drug to drug shopping mall to shopping mall relationship to relationship party to party I was thinking about that the other day I said you're saying like people are just going to hit I thought about like I was saying this the other day a lot of people have a platform but they don't have anything to say, really. You know, they'll have that place, and I go, it's because God, you know, the purpose, <laughs> we were saying the purpose and God's love, our purpose in life is missing. Mm-hmm. And I go, you know, even a lot of Christian, and not to, to diss or pick, I mean, a lot of people have different testimonies, but you'll have somebody stand in a place where they'll have a testimony, but then they'll fall, quote-unquote, or whatever you call it, mm-hmm. and be like, oh my gosh, like, what happened? And I'm like, Somewhere I believe something was missing with the relationship with God, the real base, you know, that needed to be there. No judgments. I mean, I am sad for people who went through this. And I go, um, you know, but to, to really realize, and then people who are famous in the world, you know, they're singing or they're doing this or doing that. And they're looking for that attention, but they're not getting what they really need from God first, of course. And then God, what's your purpose for my life? And you have people, you know, you have someone to love me, I love them, and you know, children, all that stuff, it just falls onto, you know, um, the relationship with God, you know. And so it's a lot of brokenness, a lot of emptiness. Well, I mean, like, speaking of what you said, I mean, it's, it's, I think the, the enemy is very, okay, the higher you go, I think there's a more of an attack on you, because like you said, people fall, especially 
people are prominent in the body of Christ, people are well known and so yeah. forth. And if he can get them to fall, yeah. then it does something to not only the body, mm-hmm. but people, unbelievers too. It's like, well, I thought. Yeah. And so I thought they were, I thought they were, and when you saw them, they was in the highest speed climbing, you know, a lot of press, a lot of things, yeah. a lot of, you know, yeah. feedback on how God is working through them. Then when they fall, yeah. um, then it's like, well, like you said, what happened? I don't know, like you said, I don't. Um, yeah, I used to, but now I'm judging. What's like, what? Well, yeah, because you never sad. know. It could yeah. be you, but yeah, I got a question because I know one of my coworkers was talking. I guess somebody can answer because he was when people fall, who we consider as being very anointed. I know he used a phrase that um, where they they lose some of their anointing. And I, and I don't know if that's correct. Either that they lose their anointing or do they lose some of their influence or are they the same? Well, let's go to what that's the word a, says. That's a good question I'd like to know. Let's go yeah. to what the word says. All right. We're going to go to Romans. Okay. Chapter 11, Romans 11. We're going to go to a familiar scripture here. Verse 29. I'm going to read what chapter? 11. 11 and 29. And we're going to read this in an Amplified Classic. And it reads like this. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. That's beautiful. Now, when we talk about, you know, people that are, you know, lifted up and then there's some type of moral failure or something like that, according to what the word says, the gift is not going nowhere. But what's impacted, though, is what? The influence. It's the influence. It's the influence. Because... With that, with that, whatever that moral failing is, whatever that sin is, is the enemy is going to use that as a attack against the credibility of the message of the individual. Right. Right. I'm like, are you really going to listen to so and so after what they did? Yada yada yada. Right. But that doesn't mean that. The anointing is not there. Right. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking there's a difference between anointing and influence. It's two different things. Like you said, well, the anointing comes from God. Okay. Now, I think your influence determines how well you 
you know, stay focused and not allow anything to, yeah. the enemy to knock you off your course. And this is where we, why we talk about, you know, the the combinations of, of gifts and fruit being so vital. Because the fruit facilitates influence and, and, and gives you a foundation to stand on. But the gifts are used as tools to be a blessing to the body and to unbelievers to draw them in. Right. So both of them are, are, are vital and necessary. The integrity is really like a big thing. Yeah. I love how, you know, Andrew Warren will talk about it and you can tell, you know, I've said this on live, he is not like puffing himself up. He's very humble. And I said, you know, he went to Karis and then my mom and I, we've had an experience of meeting him, you know, several times and being around him and people who've been around him a lot. And he's so humble. And I go, he's talked about it where people have asked him, like, what have you did to try to not like to not fall. Like you know, he's seen a lot of ministers fall and he's his heart has been with them, you know, and been so mm-hmm. sad. But he had talked about he goes like he was, he'll joke, but he's serious. He goes, for one, he goes, like if he committed adultery, he goes, mm-hmm. Jamie would kill him to repent, you know. <laughs> and then but then he goes, I want to just go you got it. You know, he stuck really close with God. He's really kept humble, you know, and he's really, you know, dependent on God now. Wow, if we all were told that instead of giving a five step program, you know, I'm like, this is how you don't fall being a minister, but just just almost like hang out with God, trust Him. Yeah, do what He likes to do is if you should walk and take those walks and walks in the mountains and does his carpentry, right? He said he just talks to God. Like when he does it, I remember telling the story where he fell off the roof, Mm. fell through the roof, and he came and told Jamie that he fell through the roof. Fell through the roof, she goes, did you get hurt? And he goes, no. <laughs> it's like, it just shocked me. God, yeah, you're like, I'm good, you know. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. But it's just neat to hear somebody who really has trusted God and stood, you know. Speaking of talking this, you know, it's just neat, you know. But is that temptation to, you know, to believe, you, it's not believing your own success. Yeah. And, and that, I got to admit, that's strong. It's when you got thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people and your books are selling and yeah. you know and your TV program is on this channel, this channel, this channel, this channel, this channel. Yeah. And you like you said, you gotta be very focused to say, okay, understand this is not me. Yeah. This is just yeah. God. I watch Andrew yeah. too as an example. I've seen others do it when people will start cheering him on like, ooh, you know, when he has up on a platform. He will start going, praise you, Jesus. Pray, you know, his really lovely text and accent. Mm-hmm. Praise you, Jesus. And I think maybe that's his way of going. It's Jesus. not me. He's trying right. to Jesus, you know. But that's so cool. So you know, he's that hard. Mm-hmm. Let's praise God because he's the yeah. one who did it. I loved about his mom, too, telling mm-hmm. him. Andy, you know you ain't smart enough to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she, he said, only one could tell you that is your mom. That'll keep you humble. That's funny. Yeah, but it's, you you're in that environment where you're preaching and hitting, it's like, yeah. You I know, know it's hard. Like, oh. and, you know, and it's like, and you yeah. know, you you want people to be blessed. You know, and that part of you want you know to know, okay, you're helping people. That is part of you want to know that, like I said. But at the same time, you've got to 
maintain your focus that's okay this is not about me this is yeah, about god me. this is not me we all need to hear it sometimes yeah, yeah we do so yeah. mm-hmm. and um you the way you described it you know you were giving his, his testimony and basically all all you're talking about is practice in the presence you know, you're, you're literally talking to the, to the Lord like he's like physically there with you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just like and when you have that type of relationship with the Lord, then, you know, it's it. It's like a buffer to all that that stuff, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all that, that, that fame and stuff. People chant, chant your name and all that type of stuff. You know, people, and because if you, and, and see, people that have some sort of deficit in that area, emotional deficit, where you're, you know, you're, you're seeking approval. You're, there's, a, there's some, some insecurity and emptiness there, and you're looking for the, the, the praises of men, the acceptance of men. There's an open door to be sucked into that stuff, to and to become enslaved to the the cheers, to the hand claps, to all that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you know, the Lord is the one is at the center of your world, and like Paul was praying here in Philippians, that the love that has been shed abroad in our how on our hearts continue to be present and in, in more evident in our day-to-day lives and, and consistently on our minds, then that there's no emotional vacuum there. Yeah. So you're not vulnerable to the same trappings as you were if you didn't have that if, if that vacuum was there. Yeah. Maybe it comes down to it's we all are trusting someone or something. Yeah, Let's be careful what we trust, right? Yeah. Who are you listening <laughs> to? Who yeah, who are you trusting? Who are you listening to? Who are you following? Because speaking of that, you know, Paul dealt with you know, and some people, you know, and I think in Second Corinthians chapter twelve where he's talking about the thorn is flesh. Yeah. And most people take that scripture and say, Well, okay, God gave him that thorn. Because he talks about being proud. Yeah. And lifted up. Um, but what he was simply saying, a lot of people say, well, Paul, God gave him that thorn, he had a pride problem. No, yeah. he didn't have a pride problem. But what was happening is, by Paul preaching the gospel, it, the gospel was having so much influence that the enemy said, you know what, I got to do something because it's having too much effect. And so, therefore, I gotta come and attack him. And slow him down. Right, and slow him down. But most people will say, okay, Paul, you know, God gave it he, he was getting puffed up. Now, that's not when you really understand it. Yeah, it wasn't like he had a pride problem. It was just that the gospel was being, having so much effect by him preaching. The enemy said, you know what, he, this is, he's having too much influence, so I gotta attack him. Right. And you know, the throne means that he was being, being persecuted, stoned to death, stuff like yeah. that. So, but yeah, yeah, it's good when we can translate that correct, too. Yeah, that's another thing about love, I guess you could say. The more you know God, the more you really know the truth. Because mm-hmm. he'll show it to you, 
And you'll know that's the thing I told you. I didn't want to be deceived. I've always been like this. Like keep me, you know, you want to be careful when ever since I was young. And that comes from knowing who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're getting to know him better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And this is what exactly what Paul is wanting, praying for. This is what he's praying for here. Going back to the New Living Translation where he says, he says, I pray, this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge, in all keen insight, in knowledge. Now, as we talked about before, we're not just talking about head knowledge here. We're talking about experiential knowledge. That your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. So basically, having knowing the exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, the height, the length, the depth, and the breadth. The same way he prayed in Ephesians, we see a similar prayer here. Because that having that revelation of the love of God is 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 like is such a a buffer that it can it it is what allows us to do the things that He's called each and every one of us to do, even in the face of opposition. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm gonna look at. Let's go to. 2 Corinthians 12. Let's see. Eric messing up. He got us mm-hmm. hitting one of these sacred cows, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're we going to read it in the New Living Translation. All right. So let's start at verse 1. Second Corinthians 12. From, from verse 1 to 9. All right. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in the body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do not. But I but I do know that I was caught up to paradise. And heard things so astounding that they could not be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm, a, I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I receive such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now you see the you see the comma here, right? Mm-hmm. A messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Now we we see that the messenger a messenger from Satan, that's the thorn. So that answers the question of what the thorn is, right? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think we can, when people struggle with the point, he said, I was given. And when we said, he said, I was given. So we assume God must have given it to him. But it doesn't say that. He didn't say, okay, God yeah. gave me a thorn. He said, I was given. He didn't say where it came from. Right. Okay. But of course, we know what? Christian 101, what, John 10 10? Mm-hmm. The thief comes the to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Right. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So that answers that question. Okay. So he's not going to give him a thorn, especially a message from Satan. Why would God yeah. give you a message from Satan? Yeah. Now we've got contradictions. When we, when we misinterpret scriptures for right. years and stuff, and it, it's really what's kind of a sidebar, but didn't even think, you know, but this. Earlier today, I was thinking about it. I was driving. Mom and I were riding. I just went in my head. I go, I remember about, you know, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's why I think that's driven people crazy, actually, literally. I mean, it's, it's because it was translated so cruddy and scary and stuff. And I go, I remember when I was really going through stuff about that, like, four, five, six years ago. And I was, like, you know, scared. I was going to do that. I was going to go to hell and all that stuff, you know, that a lot of us struggled with. And I remember one day I wasn't thinking hard or anything. I was just doing something. And I heard out of nowhere in my heart, I heard, you could do the most blasphemous thing in the world and I would still love you. And even though I could not understand what the scripture meant still, mm-hmm. I knew in that moment, I knew that voice that talked to me was God. And I knew and I'm like, I don't know why this has been mistranslated. I don't know why people don't see it right or I haven't seen it right. But I just know I knew that nothing could stop God from loving me. <laughs> and I go, you know, but just to translate. And then later, a couple of years down the road, you know, little by little, it's like these teachers started teaching it and going, that's not what it meant. It's this, it's deeper, it's this and that, whatever. Even Mike Kesh with Healing Journeys, he did a really big, like, whole teaching on it. And I was like, wow, you know. But I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, it's so important to translate something correct because it could be all these little ugly false doctrines that can come off of something. So I guess they get that pride thing from when Paul starts off talking about bullies. I could boast, but I'm not. Yeah. So, and he goes into, well, you know, all these things that he happened, God took him in the third heaven and he saw all these things. He said, yeah, I could brag about that. But it's, like, it's almost like he's being sarcastic, though. But that's, that's, maybe that's just my. Oh, I, I would, I have with you. I think, you know, sometimes I think he was sarcastic yeah, a lot. He said, I'm not going like, to boast it, but he didn't go and say, I'm not going to boast it. I ain't going to do it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> about that. And maybe that's where they get that part from, you know, well, to keep him out of the pride problem. Oh, yeah. Just <clears throat> take him down a notch. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm you know, because if you read it and you step back and you read it, I can, you know, I can see why people, right. you know, interpret it that way. You know, so I'm not yeah. going, going to, to blast that because the, the reality is you think about what we were just mentioning, mm-hmm. how, you know, your acclaim, your success, if you're not focused on 
the Lord mm -hmm. and you start looking at the attention, the praises of men, you could start reading, you know, you start believing your own press, like they say, right. in sports mm -hmm. circles. Mm -hmm. And and what and what what happens when somebody starts to believe their own press? There's you there's, there's a fall that's coming. Pride cometh before fall. fall. That's what progress is. Mm -hmm. All right. So but the thing about it is, if I if I sit here and I just look at if I take my own human experience and my own ideas of, war, of, 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 of child training that have been given to me based on my human experience and just look at what the scripture is saying, then I can see where it says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. I don't have to assume that God is the one that gave him that thorn. Right. I could just read it because that, that's not what it says. Right. It just, he just says, there was given to me right. a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, if you read it in a New Living Translation, he says, this boasting would do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. Right? And you, so you see here, and even go down to verse 5, it says, that experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is him talking here. Right. So... It doesn't, it, it does, there's no presentation that here that Paul is dealing with a pride issue right. and, and is being broken from that by having the thorn, the thorn given to him. Well, I guess, you know, and also you come from that teaching, which um, I know I was experienced that, that. You know, God gives you trouble to perfect you. Mm -hmm. And so if you come, you, you read it like that, then you're like, oh, yeah. God gave him trouble to perfect because God's working out these things in him. So in order to, Paul, take you to the next level, I got to give you this song. Yeah. That's true. It was taught. You know? So yeah. So I mean, if you come from that mindset, because you know, I still, you still hear that in a lot of by Christ that you know that God, God, or they won't say God gave it, or God allowed it, yeah, to perfect you. God allowed this to perfect you, and I mean, and I remember preaching that a lot myself because that's what I was trained. So okay, God, He's taking me through this, you know, to better me or prepare me for something and yeah. things of that nature. And so you and you embrace that. I embrace this like, okay. But then now I think about that, I said, okay. And most time when people say stuff like that, they may say something like, like you go somebody dies close to you. Or you may lose a job. Well you know God is trying to show you something to protect you. 
But then I said, well, okay, what about what about the woman who was raped? How do you tell her? Oh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or how do you tell the child that was molested when they was five? Well, God, you know, wanted you to go through that because he was trying. That makes no sense. I've been angry with God over things that happened to me before I knew it wasn't God, you know. And right. I literally have been like crying on the floor, like screaming, oh my God, why did you allow this and this and that right. or whatever? And I go, it's so sad that God's sitting there the whole time going, I didn't do it. Right. But you wouldn't get it in your doctrines at the time you were thinking it wasn't God, you know? Yeah. It's, right. Because I'm just saying, certain things we can embrace. Oh, yeah, 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 God allowed that so I could get here, you know? And there's certain things we can say, okay. But then there's but certain things like certain things we'd be like, yeah, certain things we'd be like, no, 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 no. And he's good, that. yes, right. yeah. There's certain things that happen. You would think to say that would be like, that's crazy. Yeah. How, why would you say that? God. Yeah. For a wonderful God, good God, why yeah. would he do that? What is he, yeah, what is he trying God to accomplish? Because that right. would make you angry. Yes. This is, well, what are you trying to teach me? And you tell me I had to go through that. We have to be so careful because as much as we teach it here, my relationship with God and our relationships we know in the circle here, God does not cause harm. But I had something really big in my life, really bad happen last year, year before-ish. And it was, I literally would say this, I go, well, I know God didn't do it, but because of some things, the way the work life worked out, I go, it almost looked, it looked like he allowed it, allowed it. So mm -hmm. He did it. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. like God had to show me recently and he did it in the most like loving, gentle way. And I needed it. It needed to, I needed to be set free in this area for my life to take play, you know, things to change. It was, you blame me for that. And I'm like, you didn't right. do it. You didn't do it. And it was like, wow, you know, I'm turning to tears, you know, but yeah, we have to be so careful. With yeah, that. be so yeah. careful. Because even when somebody, you know, I say you have a little child now, tragic and, like, well, you know what? God allowed it, you know. And, and, and that, I mean, how can a person, it's hard. Yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's tough to get through the pain if you think that God. Why do you want to be with a God like that? Right. Yeah. He calls it. Like, you mean tell me I, I, I had to go through this kind of pain for you to get me here? Yeah. And so, like I said, it makes sense in my head, man. I can't say it always did. But, man, it's like, there's no way. No, when we talk about good. his love. Mm -hmm. Okay, his love is abounding more and more. How, I, how can my love abound more and more if I think he allows something or calls something to bring me this kind of pain? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's going to be tough. All right. That's good. Because, you know, once you're able to look at the what what is being communicated here through the grace lens, through the lens of love, you know, God's character. Right. You can you can see how. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Right. So he Jesus came that we may have life and life more. Abundantly, yeah. right? Yeah. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. So, two different MOs life, abundantly, 
death, steal, kill, and destroy. Now, when you're buffeted, is buffeting a way of giving life to somebody? Mm. Right? So look at that word buffet. To strike with a fist. To oh. give one blow with the fist. That lady her face, you like, oh. To rap with a fist, to maltreat, to treat with violence and claim and cumulatively. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. Like the base, I'm sorry. But yeah, oh she was gosh. like, I, I knew it was a bad one, but I don't even that is worse. Like, see, why you cringe? You like, you see my dog punch me in the face? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was a, a, a negative word, but it was that negative. I'm like, dang. Right. Yeah. So th- this is what this is what we ascribe to God. That's, that's crazy. You bring that out. That's so. That brings it out so clear. When yeah. You, when you bring that word out. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. We hear all these old English terms. Sometimes we think we know what they mean. Yeah. And we're like, what? It means that. Yeah. You talking about a buffet where you go eat a lot of food? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Or like a. Buffet, like push, mm-hmm. it's like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't trying to buffet him. No. He said, buff it. <laughs> oh, wear you down. Man. It's like, well, let's wear you down, but in a different way. Yeah. But in essence, and this is why you, you know, when you understand the true nature of God, then it 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 sets you free to to enjoy him for who he truly is. Yeah. Because see, people. Because if you if you have that doctrine of the you know the hyper sovereignty doctrine, and you you ascribe to the teaching that God intentionally, actively puts things in your life or allows certain things to to you know child train, then it's it's like putting a, a pebble in your in, in your shoe. Yeah. When you're trying to walk. Right. Yeah. Because you're you 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 know you're walking, you're trying to move forward and progress, but that pebble is always there that is hindering the speed of your growth, the speed of your traveling. It's a hindrance because and that that little distortion is is enough to keep you from from really embracing intimacy with him. Yeah. Yeah. And and that and that's and and that's a mild effect of that doctrine. Right. An extreme effect is is what you know. You've heard Andrew tell the testimony about people that have have listened to that God is in control of everything doctrine, and then you know, and and that thing that doctrine is ascribed to why their sister passed away, or why somebody got cancer, or somebody got murdered, right? What's the response to that? Yeah. I mean, who who in who is is going to be able to receive that a God of love is doing that? Mm-hmm. It's a contradiction. Well, see, you know, uh, coming up, we just say something like you just said, just say this to my and then when people respond, like, okay, how can a God of love do that? They say, Well, no man know his thoughts. His thoughts are greater than I thought. His ways are not greater than that way. Yeah. Okay. You know. And like I said, once again, that was, that was a, a season where I was like, okay, and I embraced that. Didn't understand it, but he's like, okay, he gone. I don't understand. But now it's like, no. I mean, I don't embrace that anymore because it's like, okay, he wants us to know 
his thoughts, his ways, what he said is saying that scripture is that he says my thoughts are good. Your thought, he's, he's trying to say, come up to where I am. This is this is why he got the word so we can right. read that, right? To bring us up, bring us up to that level. He yeah. says your thoughts are down here because you you see a different way. I want you to start seeing through my eyes the way I see it. Yeah. When you starting to see the way I see it. Okay, there's no way in the world you can credit me with this. Yeah, yeah. If we really read it and truly like, don't you know, get like a you know mistranslation on something. <laughs> and this is why Paul's prayer here is so is so relevant and vital. He wants the the, the, the church at Philippi, the Philip Philippi, those folks, folks, for that love to abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. This is what the King James says, in, in knowledge and all judgment. So again, understanding his character, it allows me to interpret, to see him for who he is, to see myself for who he has made me to be, and to see the world properly. It, 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 it gets that religion out because you have to be baptized in religion to be able to sit there and just and, and try to defend some of this stuff right yeah because it just it literally does not make natural it, it, i don't want to use the word natural it doesn't make logical sense it doesn't line up but but again john 10 10 that is the doc that is the the phd of theology scripture right there it's very plain and simple because if I receive that, then I can say, okay, it helps me rightly divide what I'm reading yeah. in, in, in the word. Now, when we're talking about going through things, getting, getting built up, right? Now, is it, is it true that when trouble comes, and we're able to overcome the trouble, we're better off at the other side. Yes. Okay, now, this is what the goodness of God is, right? That in spite of the trouble, mm -hmm. his grace is sufficient. And this is what we read in the rest of the scripture here. His grace is sufficient for any challenge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For anything the enemy throws at us. And if anybody knew about that, it, it was who? It was Paul. Right. All the the, the the stuff that he went through. Now, let's look at this in the Amplified. Verse 8 and 9. says, Three times I called upon the Lord and besought him about this, referring to the thorn, and begged that it might depart from me. But he said to me, My grace, my favor and loving kindness and mercy is enough for you. Sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble manfully. For my strength and power are made perfect, fulfilled and completed, and show themselves most effective in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly glory in my weaknesses and infirmities, that the strength and power of Christ, the Messiah, may rest, yes, may pitch a tent over and dwell upon me.
Now, does that sound like the Lord is shooing Paul away when he says that? Mm -hmm. He was simply saying, as I said last night, I've, I've supplied you what you need. You, you have a supply. You have the grace to go through this. You have the grace. I've already supplied you with everything you need to go through this. Mm -hmm. So you have enough. You know, so that's what he's simply saying. So, yeah, it's like he's taking a negative and putting it into a positive. We always thought it was like, you know, like I was reading it a couple of different ways at the King James group, but you know, the same thing of, you know, is it my grace is sufficient for you? You know, we can read it like that. And it's like, he's probably, you know, the way he, his inflection probably was, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness, you know, yeah. like. It's, you know, I didn't give you this, but it's like, hey, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to show Satan what this is about, you know, like, you know, coming back at the devil for you. <laughs> but it gives us, he's saying, I'm giving you the ability to tap into what I put into you. Yeah. Physically, I know this is rough. I know this is hard, you know, and we know when we go through yeah. certain things in this world, things can be tough. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to be, from the end point, it's tough and I was like, I got your boy. Yeah, but he said, okay, but I've given you something. Because even in Corinthians, what he talks about, um, a treasure in an earthly vessel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I've given you that. Okay, yeah. so we have this treasure in an earthly vessel. He said, I remember they put everything in you to be, so you can persevere, go through. You know, because hey, I didn't give it to you, but you know what? I've equipped you to handle any circumstance in this life. I'm equipped you. I already get you already got it. Mm -hmm. And grace is that thing he has given us. Yes. Now and, and see I want us to look at that word sufficient in the Greek here. Strong's and Thayer's definition. Now think about this. It says through the idea of raising a barrier, my grace is sufficient. Raising a barrier. To properly ward off, okay. that is to avail. And look at Thayer's definition, number one, to be possessed of unfailing strength. Mm -hmm. Sufficient. His grace is sufficient mm -hmm. to wow. be possessed of unfailing strength. That's a good one. <laughs> to, and look at that. And look at it to be strong, to suffice, to be enough, mm -hmm. to defend, to ward off, to be satisfied, to be con content, like to possess. That is what we'll possess from on faith. That's what I was saying. So you have that strength. Whatever's come at you on the other side, you're going to come through stronger, greater, because I'm with you. And you're not going to get any weaker. You're getting stronger. Right. What the scripture say? When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against it. Now, even now, let me see. I want to go there because I've heard a minister break this down. And even in the way you read that, can is it, it? It's a little different because we'll say the enemy when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard against it. But looking at what I'm reading here, am I really in, in, inflecting that right? When the enemy when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard against it. You see how, how different it is? Right. Well, the, the way I uh, inflect. Because mm -hmm. in one part, the first one, 
this gives it more enemy more power. Versus the way second way you said it, it gives God has like has the more power. But right because the, the emphasis is on the Lord's response right. versus versus what the enemy is doing. Right. Likewise, I was about focusing on the the don'ts instead of on the do's. Mm-hmm. Religion keeps you thinking, you know, saying you can't wear your hair too short and too long. You can't. You, you gotta have long hair, girls. Mm-hmm. You, you you can't do that. You can't. So you can. Right. Yeah. And that's you know it's. The flood's coming at all. No, but God's gonna bring some, you know, stand here to stand against it. Mm-hmm. So they're going, the enemy's coming at five. Mm-hmm. He's raising something against him that's gonna, it prevails every time. Yeah, like I said, we, we always, I know I've been taught, and I think it's still taught that the sin is stronger than grace. Yeah. You know, really, we're talking about sin is sin is stronger than grace. It's like, okay, if you, you know, you sin this much, you know, if you sin this much, yeah, you're okay. But if you sin this much, then grace is going to dwell down. And yeah. sin is going to overpower grace. And no, it's not. Because then Paul won't say what, what a sin about. Grace is almost more. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing, we're never strong, but we we're taught that that hand of you, you know, we of course like we were talking last night, you sin and you want to lose your salvation or God's gonna walk away from you or he's gonna take something back. Yeah, he's gonna take step back and and that's really not what or hold it back. It's like well, you know Satan. the very thing that would empower us to walk in freedom, Satan wants to make us feel ashamed to go to God and to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was something that happened to me a couple of years ago, probably maybe three or four years ago. I think I might have told this here before, but it's it's worth mentioning again about being open and not being, you know, you know, like grace is not, you know, like sin is more powerful than grace. You know, more mm-hmm. power, more powerful than God being a good father and through Jesus helping us, you know, like you know, mm-hmm. to overcome it. Is I was um I was actually watching, it was on TV, it was just playing, I was doing things in the house. And we had um, Lita Tadeeper on, and it was, you know, the idea of, you know, Ward Cleaver, the father, the son, you know, he was always a really, you know, good father figure for them. And it was a part, and I remember it was playing, I was going through a lot at the time, and I was walking in the room, and I remember Ward Cleaver was telling the two boys, he was like, don't you boys ever be afraid to come to me about anything. And I remember the episode was like, they did something really stupid, basically, they were afraid to go to their dad, and found out later, he's like, you should have just came to me. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, it was a Holy Spirit moment. I knew it was like God is in the room. God's always with us, but I knew God was talking to me. It's like, don't you ever be afraid to come to me about anything. And it made such an impression, you know. Yeah. And the, the continued reassurance of, don't struggle alone. Tell me if you need something, you know. Well, like you say, well, if, you, if you're taught that God's gonna get you, yeah, you're messed up. You're afraid to go, to right? Then you're not gonna go. To it's him. like I'm good, God. I got it all together. You know? Versus the opposite is that okay, I messed up. I can go to my father, and he's like, okay, I got you. I know you messed up. You know what? Yeah. Hey, you're forgiven. You yeah, know, let's get back up, get back yeah. in line, and let me strengthen you in that area where you don't fall in that area again. I got you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. And you see how understanding and embracing the love of God, it, it opens us up to that place of 
of intimacy and frees us from the, the, the dangers of condemnation mm-hmm. and, and self-reliance, self-righteousness. Because if I, you know, if if if, I, if I'm in that that mindset, if I have that theology that says I have to do X, Y, Z in order to show my righteousness in order to earn blessing, then that's putting me in a place where when I do fall, the very source of strength that I need to get back up, I'm alienating myself from because of my own theology. So this is what I'm saying, you know, this whole doctrine thing, people can say what they want, but it's all, but if if you're not believing right, how are you going to live right? Right. It's true. What's the point? Like we said earlier, it's like losing track of, you know, what's really important, you know, like in, um, gosh, what is one read, reading from? Yeah, that's it. But we flipped them. Like you said, you believe right, you live right, we flipped them. We're so busy trying to live right. Yeah. Then we haven't, but we're not believing right. Yeah, it's true. Believing is off. We're so so focused on, you know, I got to do this. I know that I stop pleasing, you know, this and that. And, but yet, your concept of him is yeah. off. It's so. true. It's it's even where I might have mentioned it before. It's like my, you know, I had that man in my life who was like a father figure, and he was there for me for many years, and I, I appreciate what he did, but I stepped out of line, the perfect Christian girl, you know, and he writes me a note, and it wasn't like some no meanness, nothing that he said, but I oh, remember this, and remember what a Proverbs 31 woman is, and remember this and that and this. And then I asked my mom later, because I was so afraid to read the whole thing, she kind of told me the synopsis. I said, I was like in tears, almost like, oh, mom, did he ask me how it was? And she goes, no, baby. And I go, there it is. It wasn't even, a, you know, the, the foundational, I love you, how are you? Why are you doing this? What's going on? You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this and that, and do what do, you know? Yeah. why? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, it's not like you. You know, okay. We forget that sometimes. What you did wrong, 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 wrong. Let's see. All right, let's go back to first to Philippians one, and we gonna look at verse ten. Now, the New Living Translation really makes this real plain. Paul is praying that the, the, the church at Philippi says, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. I want you to understand what really matters. How big of a deal is that? But I think those, you know, those two go together because when you, I put those nine ten together. When you understand His love, mm-hmm. then then you get a revelation of what really matters. Mm-hmm. There's a connection there. Because yeah. unconditional love, the Lord says, "Okay." Then He begin to show you, or oh, you're open. I would say you're open to what we have. It opens you up to say to receive what really matters, and then, as we say, we stop stressing the small stuff. 
And focus on the thing we say all about purpose. Yeah. You know what, what the purpose is. It all comes in line. I, I thought of recently it was a something in the Bible, you know, that God says not to do, but I thought about it, I said, I feel like, you know, I was talking to God one time, just you know, whether or not mentioned specifically, it's just you know, there's different things he tells us not to do because you know, he has reasons for it because he loves us, but I was asking him about it. I go, God, why did you say not to do this? This has been the past couple of years. And God has shown me it's like the commandment is like a stop sign or that, you know, basic idea. But, you know, like sometimes I know we know like all of us have did this where you kind of like yield a stop sign, but you really don't like, you know, mm-hmm. stop. And I go, I'm like, God, I've seen people do whatever, but they ended up being okay. And I go, you know, God loved them or whatever. I go, but yet some people stop at the stop sign. And then they end up still getting hit by a car. And God, I, I really like this. This had to be, not that I'm profound. I mean, this had to be God because I go like, it really made sense. It made things kind of go connect in my head, you know, like, oh, God, that's why you meant that. God had shown me, it's like, the stop sign's put there so a car doesn't hit you. But we focus so much sometimes in, in any sense, you know, different ones on mm-hmm. You have to stop. Stop at the stop sign. Make sure you stop at that stop sign. But we never explain to everybody why are we stopping? Yeah. You have to look to see if a car is coming. It's put there not just because it's a stop sign. You make sure you stop at that red sign. You know what <laughs> we do. And then I go, why is it some folks don't stop and they kind of slow and they keep going, but they're okay. God showed me it's like because they don't get thankfully hit by the car. Mm-hmm. But then there's some who will stop and then they go and they still get hit. It's because they were never taught to look for the car. You know, like the whole purpose of that commandment is basically avoidance so, of you do this, you know, <laughs> like don't, you know, whatever. I'm trying to think, lie, don't lie. You know, it's like, don't you lie now? Well, why? Why is lying bad? Because it can hurt people, it can break relationships. You know, we never go into the, the hurt, the, not the hurt, the, mm-hmm. thing, the root of why we are avoiding something, basically. <laughs> and it's just really like, it made my like light bulb in my head go off, like, ah. <laughs> Well, I, what you say, I, I understood in this scenario, somebody explained how, you know, when, when a child is young, you know, you're three, you, you know, your mama told you, okay, don't cross the street without looking both ways because she told you, if, if you do, I'm going to beat you. Until mm-hmm. so you was fearful. It's like, okay, if I don't look. But then as you got older, you got to become a dog. Okay. Well, okay, you know not to cross you out and go, wait, why? So you said, okay, I understand now that it's, yeah, I can get hurt. But a child, you can't. So like, just don't go near that road. Right. You oh, can't thank you. explain yeah. a whole lot because they don't understand. Yeah, so they, but yeah. if you understand being, it's going to hurt me. Yeah. If you understand switch, that's what yeah. my mom telling you. You understand the switch. My hand going, yeah. Yeah. Right. But when you become old, you're like, oh, okay, now I understand why yeah. he was telling me that because I don't want to get hurt and harm myself. So, like I said, it's more of a yeah, understanding, explaining. It's like yeah. okay, I get it. I exactly. Get it. Yep. It, it just yeah to really understand the heart behind something. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So y'all did a good job explaining the difference between milk and meat, mm-hmm. just like we were talking about last night. Yeah, from Virginia Beach. Right. Yeah. Because. As a three-year-old, you, you, your, your capacity to understand the whys and the hows, all these things, is not there. Yeah. 
So the threat of that butt whooping is there to keep you in that boundary to keep you safe. Keep you right. Safe. Right. But as you become an adult, you're presented with that same situation. You have the capacity to understand why that instruction was given. So you don't have to be threatened with the belt no more mm-hmm. in order to make the right decision. Yeah. Your motivation doesn't have to be the same now mm-hmm. because you have the capacity to understand. Shouldn't it be the case with a new covenant believer that has the Holy Spirit on dwelling on the inside of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who can be led by the Spirit instead of being led by external rules and regulations? But if you rely on the law, you still don't assimilate. That's true. But if you're able to embrace the love of God and, and trust the voice of the Holy Spirit, expect to be led, then that's a different level of intimacy and instruction. That's meat, yeah. not milk. Let me go back. In the King James verse 10 says, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Now this is good here, to be sincere and without offense. Understanding the love of God, being resting in that. Now, how many offended people do you see in the grave? Dead people. If you did, how offended are you? <laughs> they they put the wrong shade of lipstick. I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> the work too much is right. You did though. <laughs> We yeah. said my mother would be um, very offended if she would clearly put on her. But trust me, she didn't pop up and say anything. She didn't say nothing. I thought she was. We she did because we said that look like our mother. She didn't wear that lipstick. She, she like, never wore, wore that. That makes me look like, like I'm dead weight, grandma. You were. Yeah, she wore she wore <laughs> pink and red, not deep red, but reds, light reds and pink. And they put some kind of um, I don't know, burgundy, burgundy or something. I should have hated that. My know? mother. But she did not. She didn't. We get about to tell them about that. Yeah. It's funny, she didn't go up and like, yeah. give me a Mary, give me my little circuit now. <laughs> I'm offended. Yeah, because a dead person isn't, can't get offended. No, she just right. laid there. Um, right. She's with her Jesus. And, that, and, see, and, and, and this is what, see, Paul is, is, is asking for, that depth of revelation in the love of God yeah. to be there for the, 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 the church at Philippi, for these folks. So, the, these 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 darts, the uh, trappings of the enemy, though they don't, they can't get a foothold because of the the, the the depth of relationship and trust that they have in the Lord. Let's go to um. I want us to look at something, and just in connection with that, let's go to. Thanks, Galatians 6. Let's look at Galatians 6. Yeah, that's it. Galatians 6. 
and we're looking at verse 14. I'm going to read in the King James verse. This is Paul talking to the church at Galatia. He says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He says, the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Now, reading this in, in the New Living Translation, it reads like this. It says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me is also dead, has also died. So there's this, 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 this separation that has happened between Paul's desire and just his his connection to the 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 world system like the you know the things of the world but i'm going to say that the world interest in me has also died so what is he saying there he just well well think about what jesus said if the world hated me it hate you also okay. and that's what he said to the disciples so the the more you reflect the the image of christ the the, the greater the opposition. Because light, you know, because darkness hated light. You know, and realizing the true nature, too, of God. But sometimes in the church, you know, we used to think that, too, in a lawful way. It's like, you need to be separated from the world. You need to dress yeah. this way and that way. But when you really love people that are unlovable, and, you know, I know we all see that sometimes, you know, where it'll, you know, you'll love somebody, and you'll even see, like, church people be like, you're friends with them? Why are you friends with them? You know, uh, they believe that abortion's okay. Do you? Um, no, I don't believe abortion's okay. I 1,000% believe it's wrong, but I, I love them. Right. I know that one day I hope they're going to realize that it's wrong, mm -hmm. but they, they realize how much God loves them first, you know? That'll come, you know? But, but yeah, that's true, really. I'm just I'm adding more. That's good. Because when you were talking, I'm like, hey, that does sound, you know, the people that, we will will scorn you. This sounds like the Pharisees when they were like, "Look at him, hanging with, hanging with the bad guys." Yeah. The, 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 the sinners. Jesus got told that. Yes. Jesus tax got collectors and, and tax collectors. How else. dare he? Yeah, And see, but when we talk about when we talk about separation, the difference is what truly separates you from the world. Is the love you have love. for your brethren, for for people? Yes, that's yes. the real separation. Okay. Because the world doesn't love nobody; it loves so, itself. Right, love itself. And see, so you, as as Paul was talking about here, having that revelation of the love of God and having it spill over to our day to day lives—that's the goal. Because that's what the true separation is. Because the, the world system, and we're not talking about individual people, we're just talking about the world system. The philosophy of the world is going the exact other way. It's all about selfishness, just me, 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 right? That's, that's the direction it's going in. So to be truly separate from the world is to be the opposite of that. It's not about 
me hanging or talking to this person that, you know, they may be out in the street. They might be pimping. They might be whoring. They might be doing selling dope, doing dope. That's the very person that needs the gospel the most. I saw, I see the student, um, he has this the YouTube thing. He's explained this story to somebody and he has been turned all the way around. He just goes all over the place. He has followers. They raise money all the time and he's forever doing silly things to reach out to people. And he's always giving money away and he's, he's always making sure that he said, you are so wonderful. Jesus, let me come pray for you. Why did you do this? And they're saying, because I was... And he does silly things. You might say... You know, well, can I, do you have a toothbrush? I could, I could buy, you know, would you give me a toothbrush? Would you buy this for me? And when they do, he gives it to them. He shows them, he gives. His main goal is to show people love and to show what God's love is all about. He's, he's, he's turned them all right. He goes, yeah. I want to have this big party. He goes, no drinking, no drugs, and not wasa. He goes, to show people love, mm -hmm. to have fun, to have love. He goes, this is what it's about. Jesus wants us to love. He just loves people, homeless. He don't care. He don't care what they look like. He does. He just does silly things. God did some really like crazy good, really things for him too. Oh yeah, he's doing. And that's where it came from, out of the heart. But then I saw Denzel Washington a little thing. He was saying, we was talking about the love of of man. He was telling. He said, I don't know if it's in the Bible or not. He goes, but I've heard this said. That in the last days, people would be lovers of themselves more than God. He goes, the man that was over him said, it's in the Word. And he went, he goes, do you realize? He goes, the number one picture in the world today is a selfie. <laughs> and then when I'm talking about it, he said, selfish stuff. <laughs> he goes, self, self, self. He goes, it's always about, you know, promoting yourself. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I said, and then it, this was Daniel Denzel Washington saying he goes, Yeah. He goes, I understand. Yeah. And then John 13. But he went in deeper. It was just that's the basic stuff. Yeah. Selfie. John 13, 35, by this all will know that you're my disciples if you love one to another. It can be real hard sometimes though. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, why you yeah. need the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why you need the Holy Ghost. Yeah. For real. <laughs> and you Cause, have the tent. Because, yeah. Or maybe a hundred. Mm -hmm. That's right. Or you walk away and you go drink some cold water. But, just away. but hey, he, he, he gave us the gift of tongues. All right. Instead of cussing, instead of cussing mm -hmm. I could, you know, I could, I could let her rip <laughs> in the spirit. You know, I don't know what I'm saying. And go. I ain't got to know. There you go. <laughs> that's something good. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. That's right. And just to, to close, you know, and just what Julie was talking about when she was talking about how, you know, the, the illustration with the stop sign, you know, looking at things through the love, the lens of God's love and his grace, it 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 just it helps to broaden our understanding. Even if you if you look at the Ten Commandments, all right. Now Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is, you know, chief commandment. Now, looking at it through the lens of God's love and grace, why is that the first command? Think about it. If 
the, the Lord, the creator of all things, is the only true source of life, then it's only right for him to let you know, hey, there are going to be other imitators out there, but I'm, I'm your source. But again, it takes looking at things through the love, the love of God lens yeah. to really in, to interpret instruction properly. You're not you're not thinking about the prohibition, which you're missing out on. Okay. But you're open to the instruction that you need to get you to the place to experience what he desires for you. Yeah. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.